Here, then, was an organization, a fellowship of iniquity, developed from the tares which the enemy had sown among the wheat. It grew up with the good seed until it acquired political ascendancy, and then the separation became complete. The woman Jezebel, in the maturity of her abominations, became the church, the daughter of Baal and the wife of Ahab, the state harlots of the habitable, and the Balaam corruptors of the disciples, the priests of her idolatrous communion. Thus the elements of the apostasy were ecclesiastically organised antecedently to the revelation of the things exhibited in the Apocalypse. The men that figure as the fathers, such as the writers of the apocryphal New Testament, Cyprian, Origen, etc., were of Balaam. From Balaam and Jezebel have sprung the clergy of all the names and denominations of Christendom. These are the successors of those self-styled apostles who prated with malicious words against the true apostles and the leading characteristics of the Balaamite teachers of the first century will be found to be those of the clergy of our own times. The following enumeration will establish the truth of this remark. 1. The primitive Balaamites prophesied for hire. So do the clergy. 2. The primitive Balaamites preached perverse things to draw away disciples after them, that their hire might be increased. So do the clergy. 3. The primitive Balaamites blended Mosaic observances with gospel principles, Judaizing and sabbatizing especially. So do the clergy. 4. The primitive Balaamites preached a perverted gospel, or rather no gospel at all. So do the clergy. 5. The primitive Balaamites brought the people into bondage. So have the clergy, and keep them so. 6. The primitive Balaamites commanded to abstain from meats and drinks. So do the clergy. 7. They taught the worship of saints and angels, and forbid to marry. So do the popish clergy. 8. They sought to please men, and flattered them for gain. So do the clergy. 9. They made the doctrine of the resurrection and a future judgment of none effect by their traditions about souls. So do the clergy. 10. They made merchandise of the bodies and souls of men with feigned words. So do the clergy. 11. They knew more of heathen philosophy and learning than of the gospel. So do the clergy.
12. They thought more highly of their own speculations than of apostolic and prophetic truth. So do the clergy. 13. They taught things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. So do the clergy. 14. They professed that they knew God, but were disobedient. So are the clergy. 15. They resisted the truth and caused it to be evil spoken of. So do the clergy. 16. They scoffed at the coming of the Lord. So do the clergy. 17. They denied that Jesus came in flesh and so originated the Immaculate Conception. So do the clergy. 18. They were of the world, therefore the world heard them. So are the clergy, and therefore it hears and honours them. 19. They loved the preeminence. So do the clergy. 20. They cast all out of their churches that stood by the apostles and opposed their errors. So do the clergy. 21. They were destroyers and corruptors of the people. So are the clergy. 22. The primitive Balaamites were inventors and lovers of lies subversive of the truth. So are the clergy. 23. They made a fair show in the flesh, had a form of godliness, and set up for ministers of righteousness, while really the servants of sin. This is equally true of the clergy. Clergy, in the Gentile use of the word, is generic comprehending many species, and in the popular sense signifies the body of men set apart by due ordination for the service of God. Hence a clergyman is one in holy orders, not a laic, or one of the people. Every sect has its peculiar clergy, which are hired, like Balaam of old, to do the will of Balak, that is, to preach the dogmas of their employers. There was a diversity among the children of Balaam and Jezebel in apostolic times. Hence Jude exhorted Antipas to have compassion on some, making a difference, and others save, snatching them out of the fire with fear, lest they also should be scorched hating also the garment defiled by the flesh. Some were more deceived than willfully deceiving. Still, they were all engaged in one work, consciously or not, and that was in making the word of God of none effect by their traditions, and teaching for doctrine the commandments of men so that the sentence of condemnation to the blackness of the darkness in the aeon rested upon them all.
Thus it is likewise with their clerical successors in the 19th and previous centuries. All the clerical species are not equally abominable in detail, and individuals even of the same species are far less exceptionable than others. Apart from their spiritual merchandising, many of them are moral, intelligent, and honourable citizens of the world. The Protestant clergy of all sects are generally more intelligent and moral than their brethren in holy orders of the Latin and Greek departments of Jezebel's house. The latter are designated apocalyptically worshippers of demons and of idols of gold, silver, brass, stone and wood, incapable of seeing, hearing or walking, murderers, sorcerers, fornicators and thieves. Revelation 9 verses 20 and 21. The Protestant clergy, however, though making a better show in the flesh, are not clean. When men read prayers on a day set apart by mere human authority in honour of St. Charles the Martyr, the royal tyrant beheaded by Cromwell, and other equally holy witnesses, whose ghosts they affirm to be in heaven and crowned with glory, they are worshippers of demons. When men preach funeral sermons in praise of souls, which, in dying, they declare went to heaven, where they have become guardian angels or spirits to their friends on earth, their congregations responding in faith or word. They are all worshippers of demons. When men teach, endorsing as they do their dogmatism by their practice, that mankind can devote their lives to sin and perpetrate the blackest crimes against God and society, and under the influence of their instruction, persuasions, and prayers, the wretches may be brought to peace with God by a penitentiary act of the mind, in view of the positive declaration of the scripture saying, The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, who are idolaters, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. Ephesians 5 verses 5 and 6 and 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10. And no murderer hath eternal life abiding for him. 1 John 3 verse 15. When the clergy of all sects teach practically such blasphemy of God as this, they are liars and murderers of the people. When citizens in holy orders teach that by reading from a book certain stereotyped prayers, and by sprinkling a few drops of water from a basin on the face of a baby, in the name of the Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit, the creature is baptized and regenerated, and become a member of the mystical body of Christ, they not only blaspheme, but they practice sorcery in the name of deity. And lastly, when Gentiles, by act of parliament and by arms, as at Rathcomac and Edinburgh, or by distraint as upon Quakers, compel men to pay them tithes of produce, church rates, and Easter offerings, they are thieves and robbers of the people. And though very classical and gentlemanly in their way, they are the children of Balaam, beguiling unstable souls and having a heart exercised with covetous practices. The general characteristics of the clergy are notoriously such as we have set forth. The exceptions may be said to establish the rule. There is this difference, however, between them and their fathers of the first and second centuries. The fathers became the sons of Balaam with their eyes open. They knew the right way, but forsook it and went astray. They were children of God, but became cursed children. They had been bought of the Lord, but they afterwards denied the Lord who bought them. All this made their offence inexcusable. They will, therefore, rise to the judgments of the aeon and to the blackness of the darkness connected with it. But their clerical posterity are not so. These have not known the right way, and therefore cannot be said strictly to have forsaken it. They have never become children of God, and cannot therefore be styled cursed children. Neither has the Lord bought them, so that they cannot be said to have denied him as their despotes or master. They have entered upon life finding the cosmial arena preoccupied by a Jezebel institution, now styled Mystery, Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots and Abominations of the Earth. As youths, they are taught by their parents and tutors to call its dogmas and practices Christianity, and its organization Christendom, or the Dominion of Christ. Deceiving and being deceived, their teachers indoctrinate them with theological sentiments which, acting upon cautiousness, conscientiousness, veneration and marvellousness, develop a mystical pietism of flesh, which is known by the peculiar tone and grimace or sanctimoniousness that invariably accompany it. A youth pietised after this fashion is no longer master of himself, yielding to the hallucination and mesmerically controlled by surrounding circumstances and opinions, and being also ambitious of professional rank and status in society, he gets a notion into his head that his pious ambition, 
is a feeling wrought in him by the Spirit of God, and conceits absurdly enough that it is a call of God, such as Aaron was the subject of, for him to prepare himself for the ministry. Having got this crotchet into his young brain, he is haunted by it until he gets into the way of duty, in which he continues until he is enthroned, the one man of a community which recognises him as the oracular expounder of its creed, a successor of the apostles, and a minister and ambassador of Jesus Christ, at 500, 2,000, or more or less per annum, according to their ability to pay, and the market price, his vanity or presumption, or it may be his humility, may place upon himself. Here, then, is a poor, unfortunate creature, indoctrinated, deceived, and ordained the spiritual guide of the blind by a system he had no hand in creating. It has duped him, and installed him the dupe of others in turn. The system made him a clergyman, priest, or minister, and he, knowing no better, glorifies the system as the church and approved of God. He is a soul merchant. The souls of others are his stock in trade, and he undertakes to take care of them for their owners, so as to leave them leisure to devote themselves to trade, commerce, literature, and politics, provided they will make it worth his while, that is to say, profitable otherwise not. This is the true Balaam principle. He thinks it just. Other men will not work for nothing and find themselves. Why should he? Especially as it is written, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out of the corn, and he that preaches the gospel should live of the gospel. And if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? He is very familiar with these texts, which, when rightly applied, are admirable. But in quoting them, he is somewhat inattentive to the conditions. The ox must tread out the corn before he is entitled to eat of it. The gospel must be preached before a preacher can scripturally claim to live of it and the things ministered must be those of God's Spirit, ere a minister can lay claim to a people's carnal things in exchange. Now the treading of the clergy is the treading out of tares and thistles. Therefore, tares and thistles should be the food of Balaam's ass. They do not preach the gospel Paul preached, that is certain. Neither do they minister the things of the Spirit of God. Their claim, therefore, to a piece of bread, or a profitable living in ease and luxury, on the authority of these texts, is only an additional evidence of the imposition they are, perhaps unwittingly, practising on mankind. It is unquestionably just 
that a man should be paid for his labour. If a community of errorists want a man to preach their creed and to defend it through thick and thin, if they want him to proselyte other men to it and make them feel comfortable about their souls, they ought to make it profitable, and very profitable too, for in proportion to the desperateness of the enterprise should be the magnitude of its reward. And what enterprise more desperate than cheating souls under pretense of curing them? It is spiritual assassination and homicide. But we are charitable enough to think that with many of the clergy it is manslaying without intent to kill. With the fathers of the clergy in the first century, this consideration in mitigation of punishment cannot be indulged. To blackness of the darkness, then, the clergy, ancestors and posterity are doomed. But as the latter are not apostates from the right way, having never known it, yet are of the apostasy being ignorantly subjected to its authority and power, we apprehend that, dying in their ignorance, they will reap the corruption of the grave, and there remain among the dead whom Yahweh remembereth no more, in the land of forgetfulness, the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land of darkness as darkness itself, of the shadow of death without any order, and where the light is as darkness. Job 10 verse 21 and Psalm 88 verses 5 and 12. But in regard to the fathers of the holy orders, a sorer punishment awaits them. It had been better for them, says Peter, not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Second Epistle 2 verse 21 They are therefore obnoxious to a sorer punishment, a resurrection to judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. Hebrews 10 verses 27 and 29